Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Are you not entertained? Hello, world. This is David Crowther welcoming you to History in Technicolor, and I have been joined in our world by... Me, Wolf O'Neill. Wolf O'Neill. Excellent. That's the two of us. We're, we're together. Now, Wolf, I have an initial question for you, which will become... The reason for which will become clear. Um, are you mm-hmm. a Yorkist or a Lancastrian? Um, because I don't fully understand okay. whose okay. side either is on, okay. um, I guess that I'm on whichever one is Henry the Seventh, which maybe okay. is Lancastrian. Yes, yes, yes. That's the one I meant. That's it, Lancastrian. Yes, my um, my mother was uh, born in York. My father was born in Cheshire, and therefore always considered himself part of the White Rose county and side whereas my mother of course was a red rose yorkist um so it was important in our household to a degree nobody killed each other obviously um so but i have always been a yorkist or at least i was until we got to richard the third in the history of england to which we'll come later anyway Gentle listeners, you may be wondering why on earth we're blathering on about white and red roses. And the reason is that we are here today to review the new film, The Lost King. We're trying to... Whoa! Yes. We're trying to sneak in really quickly because it works so well with The Dig. So hopefully it'll work well with this one. Okay. And it's another archaeology movie. It is another archaeology movie, which is good. This is a great theme, isn't it? We'll have to have a strand on archaeology. I was considering proposing, I think it's the 1999 movie, The Mummy, with Brendan Fraser. Ah, I love that movie. Rachel Weisz, isn't it? Uh, yes, I think it's a great movie there. I mean, I'm sure there are lots of old Tutankhamun things, aren't there? What was that one with what's name? Um, who's the guy who uncovered the... F- I gazed on the face of Agamemnon. Carter. Howard Carter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Howard Carter, anyway. Let's stop blathering. We are gathered today to talk about The Lost King, which is a new movie written by Stephen Frears, I think. It is directed, or maybe directed by Stephen Frears, pardon me. Written I think by, it was written by Steve Coogan. Excellent, and Jeff Pope. Um, and one of the executive directors is somebody called Philippa Langley, which we'll come to. Ah. Ah. Now, Wolf. What is this film about? Okay. I thought that the film was about finding new love and purpose after a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Crafting your own story Uh Uh against the odds. Excellent. Oh, that's very good. That's very... What's the word? That's very edgy. But I do also think that there's a, um, a very... Uh, like obvious strand of the film which is about um the discussion of judgment and how we perceive of others with a specific connection to uh disabilities good lord how interesting right well i think this film is about a wrongly maligned and denigrated hero who's ignored and sidelined by history 
a film exposing the evil of the winners and writing an old wrong, wrong. And finally, at last, glorifying the greatness of that brave and true leader against all the odds. What's fun about this is that what you're, everything you're saying also equally applies to Philippa Langley. It all applies solely to Philippa yes. Langley. <laughs> Damn, you saw through my cunning ruse. I've worked really hard on that sentence to try and make it ambivalent as to who it could be. Yes, well, the movie indeed. clearly conveyed that message, so we both took that from it. We both took that from it. This is a film about the, the hero that is Philippa Langley. Although some bloke called Richard III also appears in the film being dug up. So this, that is the story. The story is essentially about Philippa Langley's dedication to finding where Richard III might have been buried, involving a, a team, an archaeological team, raising funds to try and find the long-lost king and eventually, amazingly, finding him. The film's got a great cast. Uh, two of my favourite actors, Sally Hawkins as Philippa Langley and Mark Addy as the archaeologist Richard mm -hmm. Buckley. It's also got Steve Coogan. Um, Chuck called Harry Lloyd acts as Richard III mm -hmm. looking spookily like Tom Hiddleston, didn't he? Uh, he was giving me a bit of like a knockoff Michael Fassbender um, as David uh, yes. in the Ridley Scott Prometheus movie so he looks like anybody except harry lloyd essentially is what we're saying um but i also i get the tom hiddleston mm. impression as well i see that i was convinced it was tom hiddleston i kept on thinking well i'm gonna say how little use they made of tom hiddleston in this film until i realized it wasn't tom hiddleston he was the one in game of thrones season one. Oh, is that right has everybody been yeah. in, in game of thrones i mean i certainly i've been in game of thrones several times oh yeah because mark addy was in game of thrones as well it's a yes. season one reunion he was the original targaryen wasn't he or whatever or he was he was robert baratheon yeah that's the one robert baratheon and then this other guy plays daenerys's brother huh. and uh viserys i think and he gets killed in season one they both do oh spoilers i guess but indeed i um my trouble with Mark Addy is, although I love him dearly, I cannot watch him in a film without waiting for him to wrap himself in cellophane and eat a Mars, Mars bar in a shed. Because he does that in um, Volmonte? Because he does that. Does that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I spent the whole movie waiting for him to take his clothes off. <laughs> really not. I mean, he's a nice bloke and all, but, you know, really not. Anyway, so that's what it is. Um, mm -hmm. The reviews have been quite interesting. So I've read, a, I've read three reviews, actually. Two of them have been sort of meh. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, I think it's 68%. And then one of them in The New Statesman was very much along the lines of writing a wrong and subversive and all the rest of it. So mm -hmm. quite liked it, was very much on board with the whole the whole thing so it's described uh, somewhere as a comedy drama what of or category would you put it in wolf i mean either comedy or drama well or, or a different comedy drama is what they describe it as i think that's fair i when we get to all the things we liked about it mm -hmm. i think that the comedy is the the element that elevates the film somewhat, elevates right. the material. Okay. Um, so yeah, com comedy drama sounds fine. Right. Very good. And what? In... Do you agree? I think I'm going to come to that at the end, or, <laughs> okay. at, or at some point along along the road. So, because actually, I was never quite sure of the tone that the film was trying to achieve. You know, was it going? To, was it being humorous? I assumed so because of the constant appearance of. Richard III in odd situations and a slightly cutesy feel to mm -hmm. everything. Or was it supposed to be celebratory, you know, the triumph of this extraordinary discovery and the intricacies of the historical detective work that went into it? Or was it the triumph of good over evil, as you were saying, you know, Richard's final triumph over the Tudors at last, Philip and Langley's triumph over the evil establishment? Or was it supposed to be a feel-good film for all those reasons and i kind of i found the tone of it slightly 
disconcerting. I don't feel it hit a groove. It is a weird mix of a bunch of everything you've said. Um, it is hard to pinpoint. Yeah, that's interesting. So there is a rule on that Mark and Simon have, uh, the great Mark, I might say, mm-hmm. that of the six laugh test. So for it to be a good comedy, you have to have at least six laughs. Against mm. that, what did you do? Give yourself a score. How many laughs? I probably had one good laugh. Okay. But I had a couple where I was like nods of approval. Okay. That's a joke. Right. That's a joke. Nice one. <laughs> that is a that joke. One. I sort of smile. There was a few where I'd hear other people in the audience laugh, oh, which is always a good sign. Nobody um, laughed in uh, in the Henley Regal, I have to tell you. Mm. Can't remember any a tough, of them. A tough audience. A tough crowd. There weren't very many of us, actually, to be honest. Okay, so I laughed once, and I did chuckle a few times. Ah. The chuckles mainly actually came from her children, funny enough. I thought the children worked really well. The family was rather nice. They were quite funny children. They did funny things. And that was, for me, actually, that was the best thing about the entire movie. Mm. But, you know, it was. I quite like that. And then the other time I laughed, or the time I really laughed, was when she was on her high horse again about how horrid the Tudors were. And she showed a picture of Richard III and said, look, the horrible things the Tudors have done to this picture, which was actually true. They did do this horrible thing. They made his lips thinner. And she showed a really ugly picture of Richard III looking evil. And she said, look, here was the original. And she showed a really ugly picture of Richard III looking evil. So I, <laughs> I laughed out loud at that point and silvery heads turned in my direction in the Henley Regal in outrage. Because I thought it was just very funny. You know, here's one he won't. Anyway, uh, if you have to explain your jokes, you're in trouble. So I'll stop. Um, I think I probably laughed at... S- Steve Coogan was what made me laugh, but maybe not necess- sometimes out of, like, historic respect for things that he's done that have made right. me laugh before. And seeing seeing Alan Partridge in him, uh, certain line deliveries would occasionally give me a chuckle kind of retroactively right. or via that, like, tangent. And so there was some comedy there, but then because also his character was a bit horrible, uh, it would always undercut the jokes and you'd then be, like, thrown off again. Yes, none of the characters are really very likable, are they? Which is quite interesting. Um, yes, I didn't never, never did Alan Partridge, really, because I was, in fact, Alan Partridge for several years of my life living in a, um, a travel lodge in Harlow. So it always felt a bit painful. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I think he was living in a travel lodge in Norwich, wasn't he? And so I felt, you know, it was it was too it's too soon to get over that period of my life. Um, but yes, he did crack one good joke at the beginning, where I think Philip asks if um, oh she's complaining about being at work, and she, he says, "What's the problem?" And she says, "Oh, it's because I haven't got a penis." And he says, "Well, you can borrow mine because I'm not using it very much at the moment." And that was quite funny. I thought that was a bit of off the cuff wit. It sounded like. The trouble is, the bit that I liked the most is the bit that was in the trailer, and I always used to laugh at in the build-up to the movie, which is when he comes in and the kids are playing, uh, or what, no, they're watching football really, really loudly, and he has to interrupt them. He's like, boys, boys, your mother's found Richard Third," <laughs> And it it was, it's the juxtaposition, which I appreciate. The yes. Even if it's not like laugh out loud funny, the... The information that's revealed, I, I don't know, I'm just telling you yes. how you construct a joke. But Yeah, no, that works it. quite nicely. Although, of course, in the film, of course, since we've been talking about Richard III the whole bloody time, actually that passed over me completely. Whereas I can see in the trailer it would work because you're not a, you haven't been building up to the Richard III reveal all the way. You haven't seen the story. Anyway, so there were some funny bits in it and there was some feel-good around the, the family, I felt. In general, though, if I'm going to say my my big line probably too early if it's mm-hmm. described as a comedy comedy drama i would describe it as a i would describe it as a comedy which isn't comic and a drama which isn't particularly dramatic i found it switched between them uncomfortably never really managed either of them savage quite um, savage. it's gonna get more savage actually uh wolf and so i think you probably need to take me down at some point you know sit me down put a wet towel around my head 
Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I, yes, I'm going to try and be a voice of like um, balanced reason. Okay. Um, okay. Throughout. Okay. Um, so I think that maybe we should when we we should talk about the film now, but we should talk about the positives of the film. Yes. Okay. Let's um, do that. Right. Should we go on to the negatives now? Joke. Just a joke. Uh, in, and in your eyes, more jokes than the film has. Actually, there was another good joke, which was, so she's looking, she's trying to find experts about Richard III, and she calls an amateur historian on Zoom. And he comes up, mm-hmm. and he, he looks a spit of Richard III because he wears, he's got a Richard III haircut. And that was a really good gag, and actually I did chuckle at that point too. But then she flogs the joke by saying... Oh, have you got a Richard III haircut? He said, oh, yes, I do. And all those things. She says, right, the dead horse is now being beaten. Stop beating the dead horse. And while I see that, this is what I think the comedy in the film is. It's not really laugh-out-loud comedy, but it's it's a slightly dry humour where there's this slight sense of um, something odd happening, like, at all times, and that you can't always tell if it's comedy or not. Um... And I think that's not unique to this movie. I think that is like a type of comedy. Um, and you're not always sure whether you should be laughing. And if they played it dead with just the wig, um, that's one thing. And then they add a second joke to it, which I still appreciated, where she raises it, which is what we're all thinking. And she's like, oh, is your hair... Uh, do you have that hair because of Richard Third? And then I thought his response was quite funny when he was like, yeah. Like it was, it was like glaringly obvious that this was why he'd done it. I didn't. Maybe get, it's not coming across. Yeah, to I didn't get that. I just got it that he ser- answered seriously. Yes, I like to, you know, blah blah, as a died in the ward, uh, ultra serious Ricardian because they are ultra serious about their stuff. So I didn't get that, but maybe that's me. Okay, so the things that you liked, mm-hmm. Wolf. Right. Sally Hawkins is a god. She is, isn't she? I mean, she really is. She elevates yeah, all of the material absolutely. around her. And the film wouldn't stand a chance without her. Yeah. She's she's absolutely incredible. And she somehow manages, against some of these other issues that will come up later, she manages to convey like a true sense of pathos. And I'm invested in her mm. as as an individual and as a character. And she makes me care more about... Philippa, um, because of the work that she does in this film. And I think all of the enjoyment comes from her, like the whole way through. I think I'm going to put um, it slightly differently and say that, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, she did the best of a bad job. And she did as much as any living human being could do to make Philippa Langley an attractive character. Okay. I, <laughs> You're going to have to take me down. No, no, I'm I'm happy to because I'm sometimes the negative one, so I'm happy to to leave you do that. You've never been negative and... in your life. Well, actually, you were negative about Thomas More and A Man for All Seasons, weren't you? you said he yeah, was terrible the... to his family. I've never forgiven you quite for that. <laughs> um, we lost some listeners because of that. Yes, um, we did, didn't we? And um, I was very mean about uh, Beethoven. Um, yes, you were thoroughly rotten about Beethoven. Although you had a point, to be honest, you know. So I see all of your points. I could be harsh about this movie and I will have some things to say later. But my general perspective is that it's almost too nice and well-intentioned to be something that I'm actually too mad about. Okay. Um, It can be... It's like, it's fine. Um, But I have some... Like, we talked about the humour. I appreciate it. The oh, sense, the, I a certain appreciated. Sense of... <laughs> Unlike you, David, because I'm sensitive. Sorry, carry on, Wolf. Um, there's a sense of whimsy in this film, mm. which it doesn't. I wish it played into it more, and it, sometimes it clashes. Yeah. I will admit, but I quite like, uh, and it's because I'm trying to be positive and open-minded. Because I'm anyway, I like the visual appearance of Richard. So did I. No, I I really liked that. I thought it worked absolutely fine. Some people have moaned about it, saying, oh, they flog the joke, keeps coming up in funny places. Not funny. I thought it was great. I thought it worked really well into the whimsy, as you say. I don't think they overflogged it. And it was, you know, it was just 
sort of funny and amusing and, you know, I liked it. I thoroughly liked it. And I think because they don't play it, it's not a complete comedy. There is actually this slightly haunting sense of uh, sadness that exists throughout the film uh, around Philippa. And some of it comes from this connection that she has with Richard, which is a little odd. Um, And this vision she keeps seeing, um, sometimes the scenes don't always play as comedy. I think there's, there's much you can do with it. And I think it's very Shakespearean that... And it's for a number of reasons. A, in the play, I'm pretty sure Richard is haunted by his ghosts um, of the people he's killed. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Um, and just ghosts and apparitions and are always important throughout so many Shakespeare plays that I love the thought that for this woman, he then appears as this um, physical presence of sorts uh, that guides her on her journey. Um, I think that's a nice little touch. Um, yeah. I think it does add something to... It's a, it's a film about digging up a car park. I was thinking about the dig a lot, and I was like, the scenery in this film cannot compare. This isn't the glowing fields, uh, the sun's rays on Sutton Hoo, this nice little cottage, mm, true. everyone in their like, period clothing. This is modern-day Leicester City Centre uh, social services car park, and it's raining. Um, this type of archaeology is not um, pretty. Yes, I I can agree that they they're never going to get to sort of elegiac that you that you get in the dig. And as a result, I think they have to brighten up a lot of it by having Richard in his, you know, bold outfits yeah. with his course. Um it it livens up train journeys from Edinburgh to Leicester and walks past like a Lloyd's pharmacy. Um it's just the it, film is stuck with its locations and it's something that adds to the film and helps elevate it. On behalf of everybody in Leicester, mm-hmm. can I just take your your dissing of our fine city? I thought the city looked with the nice. strongest objection. I thought the city looked nice, and I thought it was a handy little um, tourist information ad for both Edinburgh and Leicester. That is certainly true. That is certainly true, which is probably one of the things I suppose that in the end they're complaining about. Uh, okay, so I agree with you on that. Um, I have a few more things. Okay, I, I have some positive things too. Okay, you go, you go, 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 go. Uh, actually, although there was one problem with Henry Lloyd appearing as Richard II, at one point she asks him whether he killed the nephews. And that was the most cop-out scene of the whole bloody thing. I mean, because mm. he doesn't answer the question. Mm. So what are we supposed to think about that then, anyway? Um, and they're not shy of dissing the Tudors and every archaeologist they come across and every historian they come across in every other moment. So why doesn't he answer the question and say, no, of course I didn't kill the nephews? Anyway, anyway, sorry, I went on to bad things, didn't I? I'm supposed to be on good things. Well, it's an interesting point. I think we should bring it up later. Okay. What is the film's view on Richard and the history related to him and its view on Philippa? Is that in any doubt? But yes, we should. <laughs> Right, um, you do it in the, in the historical but, verity thing. Okay. To me, that scene is more interesting because this is not her... Like, it's... She's having a moment of doubt. She's suddenly wondering. And when she asks the question, Richard's response is her own... Because he is her. He's like, he's. it's her having an inner monologue with herself. She is suddenly wondering, did Richard kill these children? Did Is my understanding of Richard wrong? Is he actually a lot of what everyone says he is and he's this like evil person and I've become infatuated with this this person who did these dastardly deeds um, and she loses faith in her in her mission does she want to find him does she want to find that truth if that's true um, it's just like the foundations of this world that she's created are crumbling and that doubt comes across in that interaction rather than to me it being or as you saw it like a, a, a cop out from the film it could still be that but I, I always try to bring everything back to Philippa, which is what the film is really about. Mm-hmm. And Richard is this like conduit for her to go on this journey um, of kind of this recent journey of discovery and, and kind of finding new purpose and identity for herself. Yes, okay. I think that's a very uh, intelligent way of looking at it and far more intelligent than I'm capable of. So, yeah, I mean, okay, good. I mean, that makes gives the film a good deal more subtlety than I thought it has, which is great. 
Although I do, I, as we discuss the history later, I'm coming at it from a perspective of I know very little and I'm not truly invested in any side. Oh, but that's fine. I don't think this is a a historical thing. You know, it's about about the film. And I think mm. that's okay. a very good comment. And yeah, probably you're right. Keep going. No, keep going with your positives. Okay. Um, I liked it when they got to the historical search bits. They're clearly, for my taste, there clearly was not enough. But I can, I, I realise that they have to think about whether the audience is going to live with lots of historical research bits. But for me, you don't see any of the real craft. There's a little bit about finding the map and having a look at it and trying to work out where it might be. A great sequence. Which is which is good. There's nothing about... But then there's not much more than that. You don't hear anything about the complexities of, of doing the actual digging. You're left with this impression that it's all about a feeling and i think one of the things about this film which does annoy me a little bit is oh we're supposed to take seriously now that people have feelings and that's supposed to direct uh, academic research and i don't think it does but i liked that bit of it when they investigated the map and she talked about you know where she thought it was and how she found out that thing that was great and i just wish there'd be more of it but i can imagine a non- archaeologically engaged audience would probably tire quite quickly. So it's fair dues, I suppose. I thought the Ricardian meetings in Edinburgh were good. They worked really well. It was, and they were an engaging bunch. They were quite eccentric and that was nice and that sort of fed into the whole whimsy of the movie. So I thought that played quite quite well. And as I say... I thought the kids were nicely done. Also, it's probably worth noting that in terms of villain, Lee Ingleby did a great job. He was impressively unlikable. So those are my good ones. All right, your good ones. I don't have too many more. I've mentioned most of them. Uh, I think there's some tension reaching here, some tension that is created <laughs> over the dig. They um, find Richard. Oh, who knew? She actually had to face a lot of obstacles, and the chances of this discovery occurring are so slim that it is nice to get wrapped up in the possibility and kind of seeing them kind of fighting through all these steps to get to this end point. There is some tension created there in the story. It's not, I, I don't know, it's not incredible, but it does something. I mean, I read this in all of the reviews that I read, actually, well, uh, the two sort of not very positive ones, um, that, oh, this film lacks dramatic tension. It doesn't need tension, does it? Isn't, this film is a comedy drama. It doesn't need tension, as far as I'm concerned. It needs, it needs humour. It needs a st good story. It needs feel-good. It had the whole thing about it should have been that amazing discovery all the work that led up to it, you know, the can we, can't we type stuff, I suppose, is about tension. And then this fantastic thing, they absolutely find it. And for reasons I'll go on to about my negatives about the movie, when they reveal it, I didn't give a tinker's curse. And um, mm. any feel good I felt was completely washed around by the, by the, the sour, toxic stench of martyrology and victimology. And I just didn't want to share in that joy because it was all covered with bitterness. Keep going. I think we should move on to the negatives. My positives are slight, okay? <laughs> and we've, we've hit a new point, and I think this is, this is important. I thought there was just enough dramatic tension um, to um, keep me entertained for the movie and kind of learn some things I didn't know and find out a little bit more about Richard and Philippa. Um, so I was like, it's serviceable. It's not a, That's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's. I suppose it's not a terrible film, although I probably should say that when I get to the... Actually, no, I think it is a pretty awful movie. There are some good things in it, as we have discussed. And it's probably... I accept this is probably my fault that because I've researched it afterwards, I've got angrier and angrier, actually, as things have gone on. So when I walked out of the theatre, yes. I didn't feel terrible about it. I thought, well... You know, that's a, a couple of hours I'm not going to get back. But, you know, I had a nice ice cream and 
you know, it was fine. It was kind of fine. And I got sort of angrier afterwards. The the thing that I didn't like about the movie, coming back to that bitterness thing, and then we'll have to talk about the accuracy and historical record bit, but let's talk about mm-hmm. this, the feeling of it first. The fact that, well, it's not particularly funny. There are some humorous bits in it. There's a little bit of historical work, but there's not much of it. There's, And then you've got the triumph over evil thing. So there wasn't much, which for me destroys the possibility of it being a feel-good movie. So you've got nothing. The evil establishment were laughably evil. Mm. And it went just went so far that I could not buy it. They were caricature villains. I don't recognize those villains in, yeah. in history. There was not a hint of humanity in them, with a little bit with uh, Richard Buckley when he says he, at least he feels guilty about it. Um, I swear to say that the Lee Ingleby character, the head of history or whoever, whoever he was, mm-hmm. was made to say that they decided Richard was still a usurper because of his crooked back. This is a mm-hmm. ludicrously absurd accusation about somebody who is a- alive today. I-, I find that I just found that absurd. I note actually that Richard Taylor, the actor, has strenuously denied it and so I, I i mean i i don't know when to come on the, to, to all the historical record but so maybe now i just carry on for it's difficult yeah. i cannot believe that philippa langley does not believe in all of this stuff and is simply making it up but as we'll come on to some of it is demonstrably made up or wrong um I, but i'm sure she believes it and there are bits of it which are you know entirely believable so I can absolutely believe that academics would take a very sniffy view of this amateur coming in, raking up all this Richard III stuff yet again. And I can imagine she got a lot of patronising and disinterested, uninterested responses. Um, I can just, there's a bit where she has, she's lectured to by, she's at a lecture about Richard III and the academic is very dismissive of her, very patronising and pompous. I can just about buy that i don't think i could buy that real situation that he was really that unpleasant but you know i can get the feeling of that and they've tried to build it up there's there's martyrdom everywhere there's you know her not even her husband believes her at the first although he comes good at the end sorry her ex-husband her everything's bad for her she's got this she's got this horribly horribly lame line where she says i've got emmy it's a real illness you know now i i recognize that for emmy sufferers that is a real issue that people say oh it's not a real illness and they don't believe them so i recognize that's an issue but the way it's delivered is pitiful and then she's got a terrible boss things are all full of work oh that's another thing i mean it just goes on and on and on there mm. is nothing holding philippa up except the ricardians so, and there's something in that. And I just got tired of the, the martyrology. So by the, as I say, by the time we got to the big reveal, and hey, we found Richard III, I, you know, no, nothing was good anymore. I think the film struggles because I had kind of assumed, and it does it very slightly, but I am reaching. Um, the Philippa character is a, is a complex character. And... I there is something odd about this whole thing. Um, and I was going in like, wow, I'm going to go watch a movie about this woman who fell in love with Richard III and then just like had a feeling where he was buried. I know that there's research as well, but at least from the trailer anyway, and is desperate to dig up this skeleton of this man that she's now in love with. Uh, and it, it's all like, that's kind of like a far-fetched story. Like you wouldn't believe it ever happened. And so she must be a little bit odd. It's it's just too on her side and doesn't have faith in us in, as an audience to see the positives and the negatives, which I think this is my key point about the film. In addition to the fact that I think a lot uh, the script is bad and the direction is poor and the, a lot of the supporting acting is not good and it feels like you're watching people read their lines mm, in like a amateur dramatics kind of scenario... Yeah. Um, is that the film has this sense of black and white, which is odd because it rails against this idea of misrepresenting people and creating, which yes. is, you've already raised. How does it 
take all these characters and make them um, like on a scale, everyone's at 100%. There's very little gray area mm. for people to embody. And so the villains are like all villain or they get one moment of like something else. And the heroes are all like hero, hero, hero. Mm. And I, even with the Ricardians, the thing that I'm confused about is why can Richard not be a bit of both? Yes. Why can Richard not have yes. done good things and killed the kids? I mean, that why? comes that comes up throughout. I think that's a really good point when we bring up in the historical record thing that um, she's she keeps saying, oh, I'm going to try and find, I'm going to find his body to rehabilitate him. Finding his body isn't going to rehabilitate him in any way. You know, it's an, and actually I think it even comes out either in the film or uh, one of the reviews that, well, that's just silly. It's going to do yeah. nothing of that. Um, and he's, it's as though they are full of the outrage about the Tudors and the takedown of the Tudors about Richard. Because the Tudors, have, remember, have to establish their own legitimacy. They can't have a legitimate ex-king hanging around in people's memories. And they're so full of that outrage, they think, therefore, that anything goes. They've had 300, 500 years of, you know, 300 years of whatever it is, of outrage uh, of the Tudors. So then they can be every bit as unfair and one-sided and non-analytical as the Tudors. And that doesn't wash. You know, neither one is is acceptable. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's the thing that's most confusing. And thinking back on it, she spends the whole movie denying that he had a hump as part of the conspiracy against him and then when she sees the hump which fine it's scoliosis and i understand their slightly um ham-fisted point um although actually no i don't uh where they conflate richard the third of being disabled and being maligned for a disability um and made fun of for that reason sure i'm not suggesting someone with a hump should be made fun of but it's all a bit reaching. See, that's what um, the, that's what the Tudors always did, because in those days it was acceptable. I think um, Shakespeare does it of equating physical divergence or nonconformity with evil, and so that's always been very much of the Ricardian story. But people don't do that now. But what's strange is if Philippa knows that having a hump doesn't affect his personality at all. Mm. Um, why does it matter whether he did or didn't? But she's yes. vehemently of the belief that he yes. never had one. Then when she sees he has one, she obviously is like, oh, that's fine. He's still Richard and I love him. But it's like a weird thing where yes. the discovery disproves a lot of one point that she believed prior. And it doesn't really affect her world at all. And she doesn't then wonder, is there anything else that could be disproved about him uh, that is of the polar opposite view to me and i think i don't know just the whole thing i just wish yeah. that there was more meeting in the middle and recognizing people for the maybe they even talk about it in the film at one point i just don't know why people can't just be yes. people why do they have to be evil why do they have to be good and the film doesn't really um land on that point and still yes. seems to fall too much on one side it's a, it's a Vemina's story and that that is to be honest, that is the Ricardian thing. That's what it's become. I shall tell you about the the History of England poll, which was mm-hmm. about Richard III, where we discussed whether he was a saviour, as the Ricardians believe, or a knave, an evil person, or a fool. Um, and all of those interpretations, it seems to me, are possible. And we'll find out later which one... I think is correct, and uh, which one were actually the history of England, brave listeners that they are, um, all decided in a poll. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Should we go on to historical record? I mean, have we trashed yes. the film enough? No. <laughs> I think we can continue to do so while going through the historical <laughs> record. Okay. Uh, yes, I don't think I've got anything else to trash it for that isn't the historical record. So when we talk about it as a historical record, it's accuracy, as it were. I guess there are two elements to look at. One, how truthful was it about the story of the discovery itself? And then, mm-hmm. how truthful was it about the real Richard III and that? So I think I might start with the second first, because the, the first one's going to be controversial. I need to be careful that I'm not unfair. Mm. On the history of Richard III, then, this is unashamedly a partisan view. And actually, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. This is essentially a campaigning video for the Ricardian Society. In a sense, there's nothing wrong with that, because after all, the Tudors have had it their way for several hundred years of campaigning. So kind of fine. But it would have been it would have been a better film for me if actually, as you say, they had admitted that there were things Richard could have done wrong or might have done wrong rather than being supposedly a perfect example of kinghood traduced unfairly. In one thing, they are absolutely right in the film that the Tudors and their servants have trashed Richard's reputation. Although it is worth knowing that Henry VII, who was actually a very fine king, incidentally, did actually raise a memorial to Richard III, which praised his bravery. I mean, it's pretty equivocal about his legitimacy, but it does. it's not mean-minded, unlike this film, I have to say. There were some specific claims, sorry, I'm warbling on, but got a few things I want to say there were a keep going a number of specific claims that I remember made in the movie um, it's got to be said that they say he's a good king and that sort of thing Richard of course reigned for only three years and pretty troubled years because there were problems with his legitimacy so he didn't have much chance to prove himself so the evidence is thin but anyway they make some claims that he was a good king for example Uh, because he encouraged the press, and this is true. Richard did support free trade of the press, excluding it from protectionism. Having said all of that, with all of these things I'm about to say, the way Parliament worked in the 15th century was not a government which has a legislative programme and brings it forward and votes in Parliament, blah, blah, like now. What happens is that people come from the, the provinces usually selected there by the magnates in the House of Lords because that's the way society worked and they come forward and they make petitions to the king and it is then up to the king to say yeah I'm going to do these, I'm going to do those so none of these ideas probably are Richard's actual ideas though he gets a bit of credit for not nixing them and allowing them to go through and be approved the only thing that Richard actually brings are things like the titulus regis, which were there to trash the reputation of his brother and the dynasty that he's replaced. Anyway, there's another a law that gets passed which apparently introduces the innocent and proven guilty thing. Now, I can't find any record of that. I read a book on common law once which attributes the first use of that phrase, innocent until proven guilty, guilty in a court of law to one William Garrow in 1791 he told a jury that every man is presumed to be innocent until proven guilty but even then in 1791 it wasn't law it first appears in print in the French Revolution so I don't buy that one that Richard III introduced that but I'm happy to be corrected penultimately the court of requests It is much disputed about where the idea originally comes from. But yes, there is a line of thought that gives credit to Richard. The Court of Requests is a way, an equity court that allows very poor people to get access to justice. So that's great. And finally, that he strengthened rights of bail. That is true. That comes out of his one parliament, the 1484. So there's some truth about that, which is great. Um... They, they then, quite often in the film, promote suppositions as facts, which is exactly the same as they accuse the Tudors of doing. So, for example, what, the one that got me across this actually was Edward V would never have become king because he was illegitimate. 
and everybody knew it sort of thing. This is absolutely untrue. Edward V, by the way, was one of the princes that he killed. He was the, the, the person that became king as soon as his father, Edward IV, died. There was a rumour about a pre-contract. It was very vague. There was no evidence of it. People didn't particularly buy it. Um, it would, there is no way Edward V's coronation would have been disputed or uh, in any serious way whatsoever. Even Margaret Beaufort, whose son, of course, is Henry VII, had accepted that Edward IV was the right king and his heirs and was working with Edward and had got quite close to arranging for Henry to come back and rejoin society. She had bought it. She'd given up. That's fine. All she wanted was her son to come back. It's not until Richard III usurps the throne that she then uh, cuts up rough and starts trying to get her son to be on the throne. Now then, um, I'm sure there are other things, but uh, I may have forgotten what they are. So the, the idea that Richard was a good man and he's been falsely accused. So we had, we had this debate on the history of England, as I say, a knave, fool or saviour debate. Um, so the story is Edward IV dies. Richard of Gloucester has been a very loyal friend to Edward and a fine servant. And that's one of the things going on here, I think, is that people have been mused about this good man with a great record, brave and loyal to his brother, who has been rewarded handsomely by his brother also. He's basically a satrap of the North. And yet suddenly he turns so bad. What happens is that he panics that he, his position in society and his power will be destroyed by the Woodvilles, who are the family associated with Edward IV's wife, Elizabeth Woodville. I think he panics. He seizes the, per the person of the prince, Edward, and his... Uh, younger brother and incarcerates them instead of and he pretends at the first that he's going to have them crown he doesn't um it basically he usurps the throne and however you cut it richard iii usurps the throne whether he was doing the right thing or the wrong thing and i think he does it because he panics he then murders William Hastings without trial. He, William Hastings is a councillor. He hauls him out of the council room and has his head cut off with completely summarily that any trial or evidence just cuts his head off in, on Tower Green. So at very least, he's responsible for tyranny. Personally, I believe he killed the, the princes. Why didn't he produce them? It is possible behind the unlikely they both died of plague at the same time. There are vast numbers of abduction or escape theories which are just conspiracy. You, we can't prove that it's Richard in a court of law, but I would say beyond all reasonable doubt, and Occam's razor dictates he killed them. But you don't need to believe that he killed the princes to know that Richard III was a usurper who then destroyed the reputation of his brother in order to try and legitimise himself by saying that his brother's offspring were all illegitimate. I think he also talks about his mother having an affair, but I could be wrong about that. From his actions, his dynasty, which was finally secure on the throne and has established peace, which England desperately needed after decades of war, and then he blows it all to pieces for his own personal gain. Finally... There's a sort of story about this that contemporaries didn't think he was a villain. Contemporaries did believe he was a villain, very many of them. They try and trash in the film, they try and trash Dominic Mancini's eyewitness account because it's most inconvenient for, for Ricardians. But actually, and they, I think they claim in the film that it's you know doctored by the Tudors. Dominic Mancini's account is written in 1483 before... Henry VII takes power, and that's one of its massive values. Now, even if you disagree with some of the things it says about the princes, you can argue about, it is at least proof positive that contemporaries believe Richard was a bad man and a usurper, or a significant number did. Here ends the lesson. Basically, what, what we decided on the history of England was that he didn't necessarily set out to kill the princes 
usurped the throne, he panicked and he kept on being led deeper and deeper into the mire by his initial action of seizing the person of the king. There we go. So what's the summary of that? The summary of that is that I this is a campaign in this is a campaign video and I don't buy all of the arguments I buy some of them but I don't agree in any sense with Richard's conclusion and I come from the position where as a kid all the way through my childhood I was a desperately enthusiastic Yorkist and was very cross about Richard's reputation as it was given to me but as soon as you start looking at it seriously he does some extremely foolish things and some very bad things um part of my impression is that they use shakespeare's richard the third like the general everyday member of the public's impression of him as the one they want to like tear down mm -hmm. um rather than the historian's perspective of him which is possibly a little bit more balanced i think they take down sense? both because the thing about trashing the Dominic Mancini, the thing about particularly about, well, contemporaries not thinking he was uh, he was bad. The one about him being a good king. No historian is prepared to say, oh, yes, he was a great king. It's unashamedly passed. There just isn't enough evidence. It wasn't there long enough. Um you know, there are there are claims here which they often put forward as fact or Sally Hawkins puts forward as a fact, which just are extremely arguable at very best. The thing about Edward V could never have become a king because he was illegitimate is just not true. I mean, they're referring to a rumour that did exist, but the nation would have had the political estate would have had no problem accepting Edward V. There was no sign that they would have done. Yeah, the film the films kind of conflates the fact that she found his body against, uh, when no one else would believe her, hmm. with the fact that everything else that no one believes her about must also be true. Yeah. Does that... Yes, I think so. I, absolutely. I think that's absolutely what they do. I think we, we've... We've wobbled on for quite a long time, actually. I realise I've I've lost control, and we're at fifty minutes, so I probably need Tell to move on. Tell me about the dick, the <laughs> the 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 modern thing. Um, so we've got this thing that everything the University of Leicester does is evil and is out to completely take all the credit and sideline Philippa Langley and people like Steve Coogan have been very out there saying Stephen Coogan, for example, apparently said, well they made their own bed, they're going to have to lie in it. Well, he didn't say that, he said, and then he said something like, she wasn't there at the procession. Well, she was there at the procession, and I've seen a picture of her being there at the procession. So either mm. they've been misled, or... You've bought receipts, David. <laughs> yes. I mean, the truth is, I don't believe that Philippa Langley made all this stuff up. I can be absolutely sure that she felt patronised and possibly even sidelined but i from all i've seen i do not believe that leicester university behaved in the way this film presents it as i it, i think the i don't know what more to say really i mean that the one piece of evidence loads of archaeologists both within leicester but also without them have come forward saying, look, we never sidelined her. She was involved in all the decision-making. She was, even in the f film, Buckley says, I've reserved your place at the the high table. She chooses not to go. She goes to the school, which actually, incidentally, when she does the presentation in the school, that is one feel-good moment, actually, where I you know, felt on her side for change because, you know, that was nice and positive. It's difficult but I do not believe in the extremity of the accusations against the University of Leicester. And it made me very cross because these are real living, breathing people. And they've now got a film out there which is making some very harsh and, I think, 
unsubstantiated claims about them. And I just think that spoils the whole experience for me. I don't, I don't want to go to a movie that's supposed to make me laugh and make me say, how, how fantastic, what a great achievement, when it's trashing most of the people concerned. Um, I didn't know anything about the real history, but the ending just seemed implausible. Um, mostly designed for dramatic effect, and it is quite heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. And I was writing notes down like, did this actually happen? Because this seems odd. Yeah. Um, so hopefully everyone can kind of see through it. As soon as you told me that Philippa was a producer, um, things clicked a bit. I'll be yes. Honest. This is this um, is not this is an official view uh, endorsed by Philippa Langley. Yeah. So we're not going to get a film that particularly or that would paint certain people in a more positive light and her in possibly a different light. Um, it's going to be really supportive of her view of events. Yeah, um, I mean, I, and I don't, so, in a way, I don't object to that. You know, I, as I say, I can quite believe that she's meet, she met partisan academics, patronising and all the rest of it, but she just overdoes it. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, I completely agree. I listened to, I listened to an archaeologist actually called Mike Pitts, who's written a book about the the dig... Uh, and it's a very good podcast, actually, on History Extra, if anybody mm. wants to check it out. It's really interesting. It's about the archaeology, 90% of it. He saw a preview of the film, and when he talked about it on the podcast, he uses phrase like the reinvention of history, and things are some things being patently not true. And I, I quote, and he also makes the point that these are accusations against living people. Um, and there's evidence that says some of the accusations aren't demonstrably wrong i just don't think that the level of victimology was necessary in the movie no i would agree um i think we should wrap this up yes i think we should wrap Um, that up too we've i have ranted enough so quality is a film i i mean it's not very good but and so i guess probably uh if I'm being genuine, I would give it a four. Mm-hmm. Four or a five. But I do think that it was... I had a nice time watching it. And I think a lot of our audience members would have a perfectly pleasant time watching it. Um, and I I wouldn't want to dissuade anyone who is who thinks they might like it or get something from it from watching it. Because I think you still can. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it a two. Because when we come to our yeah go when we come to our would I recommend anyone to go and see this film I think probably for the first time I'm going to say no I wouldn't mm. it is okay. not that the film is that terrible in terms of its construction there are funny things in it there are there are bits of feel good I think some of the devices work quite well and what Philippa Langley and Leicester University achieved together was an extraordinary achievement absolutely. You know, the most extraordinary archaeological thing I can remember in my, my lifetime. Watching this film just ruins that achievement, and I don't think it's—I don't think it's worthy of being seen from the mm. meanness of its spirit. So I wouldn't recommend anybody goes and, and sees it. Fair enough. The historical accuracy I'm going to give a four to. It's a bit difficult. I mean, some of the you know, so the things about the life, um, some things about the archaeology are, you know, perfectly accurate. The story of, you know, what the Tudors do to Richard's reputation are entirely true. Um, so, you know, it's not a washout, but it is very one-sided, as, as we've said, and ignores a whole lot of stuff. And as I've said, the historical reputation the historical accuracy of the events for Leicester University, I don't believe. Makes sense. I agree. agree. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to have been such an unpleasant person, and I'm sure many people have a a go at me for being unfair to Philippa Langley. And if so, I'm sorry. It's just that that is how it appeared to me. So next time, I think we've got Gladiator, and after that, we're going to do Bright Star. Is that correct, Wolf? That is correct. 
Fine. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Sorry for being so grumpy. And we will see you for, um, to entertain you with Gladiator next time. That's goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. Are you not entertained? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.